What the fuck you doing? Lunch is ready. Wash my hands. You just washed your hands. Then I tied my shoes. So what? I can't stand touching fucking shoelaces. Never go to tie your shoes and you notice the end of your laces are wet? From what? Why would they be wet? I got no fucking idea. You go to public bathrooms? You stand at the urinal? Oh, fuck. Come on, will you? He's asking me. I'm telling him. And frankly, it's important. Even if the lace is dry, and even if you don't touch the body of the shoe, bacteria and virus migrate from the sole up. You see this on TV? I gotta watch TV to figure out the world. I gotta watch TV to figure out the world. Welcome to Ooh. Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down. I am Jim Scampoli. I'm Jacob Burrows, and indeed, I'm also watching TV to figure out the world, and specifically watching The Sopranos Season 3, Episode 1, finally. It has been a long while for you and me, Jim, yes. dear listeners. Of course, for you, it's uh, gravy. You just had to do, take a quick gravy t- train detour down to uh, the old mob days, but uh, we're, we're coming back at it, at it right now with Episode 1 of Season 3, and um, it's nice. And I will say one thing, though. Uh, I read on the Wikipedia after I watched it that this was the first part of, like, a two-hour finale. That makes so much sense, having yeah. watched this blind. Yeah. Mike, okay, that's why this episode was the way it was. Um, I, do you agree? I do agree. This episode, Mr. Ruggiero's Neighborhood, uh, written by David Chase, who's, of course, the creator of The Sopranos, and directed by Alan Coulter, a very familiar name we've seen before and we'll see again. And yes, I think as I had mentioned, um, I believe when we were discussing Funhouse, the finale of season two, this was actually my first, this was my first episode of The Sopranos. And yes, it was a two hour premiere and I had just known kind of the basics. I, it was a show getting a lot of buzz about a mob boss going to therapy and the finale, he had killed his friend, Big Pussy. That's really all (laughs) I knew. Um, and I started watching and yeah, this is not my favorite episode this is definitely kind of down on my list mostly because it's like i get they're doing kind of a, it's like a different take because we're mostly with the feds on this and seeing kind of tony and his crew from an outside point of view except for a few scenes like the scene that opened the show uh but it's so tough especially like starting a season and not being with your family it's like where's my family i miss them yeah no, I had exactly the same thought of, like, if the first episode of the season has to show us where the main character, the protagonist, is, because the whole season is going to show us how they're going to change. And the only thing Tony Soprano, who is the main character, even if we have, you know, other ones running around, he's clearly the main, main character. Uh, we just see him, like, fucking cursing about this water <laughs> heater or whatever the fuck, man. That's about it. Yeah. Um, he's really upset about it. I mean, he, there's the stuff with this twin, which it's fine. But for me, like you pointed out, it's like... You can clearly tell they like that actor, and it was yeah. like, "Oh yeah, you're twin," and we have to keep bringing up how they're twins. Um, and at the same time, it is—it's a good call, I think, because we get to see a bit of what they're like from the outside because we're so on the inside. But it yeah. makes more sense if you have another episode right after it. I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because I almost was going to say something like, "Oh, do we cover both of these?" But nope, we're sticking to it. We're doing one a week. 
So we're going to yep. do Mr. Ruggiero's Neighborhood. And um, I mean, Tony Soprano is walking down his driveway to get the newspaper. So, you know, it's a new season of The Sopranos. You know, I, I was I checked if it was <laughs> if I was accidentally watching season two, episode yeah. one, because uh, he does exactly the same thing when he runs into his friend Big Pussy. Yeah. And I, this is mostly known to me. I just I, I whenever I think of this episode, I just think of the the mashup song that they have with uh, yeah. every breath you take and the theme from I had to look it up. What was the show? Oh, Peter Gunn, because uh, that was one of my main takeaways, too. When I first watched this, I was like, "Ooh, mashups, mashups are a thing. It's the year 2001. Yeah. I'm not aware of this. Uh, yeah. And I, I sort of remember everyone, at least in my bubble at the time, everyone's like, did you hear that mashup? Wow, that was great. <laughs> Did they call it a mashup though? Did they yeah, call it yeah, like, like a remix? Did you hear that remix? Yeah. What a great remix! Do you, do you hear that avant-garde music art they made? Because we don't have the, a word for it yet. Yeah. Yet mashups <laughs> haven't even existed. Um, but yeah, so we start with uh, Mr. Soprano waking up, going down, and and we get to see this board, and we get to see uh, the feds almost immediately uh, with the board of all the leaders of the gang uh, saying that we ain't got shit, basically. I mean, that's more or less what they're saying. Tony was really worried last season, but looks like they ain't got much. Yeah, it's... uh, Yeah, I mean, we, we get a little hint when Tony does pick up his paper. We get some information that the garbage contract, like feuds with the mob are heating up. And we kind of we got a little hint of that at, at last season with Richie kind of causing some trouble. Richie's out of the picture, but apparently these contracts are still a thing. Um, and then, yeah, at, they're kind of doing some cleanup here because, you know, the FBI is talking about how Big Pussy, uh, I forget what they call him, CW15 or whatever his code name is. And I, I do like how nonchalant they are. Like, this guy's dead, but to them, they don't give a shit. Um, and I guess there's, it's not like they know for sure he's dead, but you can basically guess that he's dead, but they're like, and then they're like, this is all we got. We got this one conversation and I don't know if this is canon or not, but I like to assume that that conversation happened during the montage at the beginning of Funhouse when they're at the restaurant before Tony gets, uh, food poisoning. I mean, they are getting food, but I'm sure uh, Big Pussy and Tony are always getting food. But to me, I like to place this conversation happening during that. And then that's why Tony's like, hey, waiter, bring us over some food. And he gets food poisoning. And then he murders him. Uh, (laughs) But that's where I'm at. Yeah, that's like pretty much what I imagined, or even thought. Like, is that the exact like is that the audio from that episode? Because uh, I feel like Pussy was always trying to bring up like this and that, uh, and I, I thought like, did I have I heard this before? I'm not even a hundred percent. And we get to see his handler, who always said like, oh, I, I, I'm not your friend, I'm your handler, or whatever. And then he's right, he wasn't. He doesn't seem affected at all by this. Let's just assume he's compost and move yeah. on. Get, get a judge on this. Get a wire in there. And, and I like to think hearing that audio, it's it's clearly, I mean, before Tony has his dreams and kind of tells himself outright that uh, Big Pussy's working for the feds, but it shows that he kind of knew. It's either that or it's just trying to show us how aloof Tony is because it, he's just purposely being like cagey with his answers. And it sounds like so, how someone would do if they knew that this person was recording them. Yeah. Uh, but then again, Tony's probably hungry. That's why he's like, hey, wait, bring over some food. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we've seen uh, even with 
I don't know, all of last season how he's been fairly good about separating himself from all that. And even the, you know, the, the crux of this episode is how do we get him, uh, uh, you know, saying illegal shit on a recording. Uh, so, so he's clearly got the moves to avoid it most of the time. Um, but for some reason, he thinks his basement's all cool. Nothing could ever happen in there. Uh, I guess it makes sense because I, I thought like... Why does he think that's safe if he's being so careful not to have anything in his house and so on? But there is a difference between tapping a phone and then, like, doing what they're doing here. Yes, yeah. And um, they do bring up, the feds do bring up the airline tickets and how they need the potential for Olivia to testify if they need to go anywhere with that. And, yes, they did get the information from Big Pussy that Tony likes to talk in the basement, which we have seen a few times. And he brought Jimmy down there. When he, was, yeah. uh, when he was talking to him and when he first gets pussy back in season two, he brings him down there to talk um, and they kind of decide this is going to be the spot. This is this is what we need to do um, where, where we get to fall, hang out with these characters this whole episode as they're breaking into the Sopranos house and, uh, multiple times and going through this misadventure with the feds. But see, we're Sopranos fans. We hate the feds. We're on Tony's <laughs> yeah. side. So we don't want to spend this episode with the stupid feds. <laughs> Yeah, it's dumb police. Uh, you know, dumb, dumb, keeping the peace, people. Uh, get, get some more violence in here. Yeah. I will say, uh, in the background, if you freeze it, I mean, they've still got Junior at the top of all of their shit. Like, he's at the top with his picture. He's at the top on the chalk chalkboard. And then Tony is underneath there, and he's got Sylvia to the side. And kind of got it figured out. But, I mean, it seems like they know Junior's out of the picture. I mean, clearly, he's on trial or whatever so he's out of the picture either way so it makes sense to focus on tony but they really they tried to get junior to say that he wasn't the shit that tony was the shit so they know junior is not the shit right yeah that is weird i mean i guess it's still kind of going off of um because we see a few ways in this episode that you know they're behind which is fine because they're that's why they're trying to get this information because they're behind us the audience because we're hanging out with tony all the time um, so I guess it kind of makes sense that they don't have confirmation to like adjust their family tree, if you will. Uh, yeah. they kind of have to go off the stuff they have confirmed. So it, it does seem like, you know, the, the main guys, uh, I'm spacing on their name right, right, right now. Like the main FBI guys that we always see, uh, let me see. Oh, Not skip. No skip is, um, uh, is what's his face, uh, is, was pussy's old handler. Oh, uh, then there's, yeah, Frank Cup. Cup- uh, Cupitoso, I can never say his name, but Frank, he's like the the FBI chief. And then who's the other? Oh, Agent Harris. Oh, we also see Grasso. Agent Grasso's there too. Agent Harris mm. is my main man. That's the guy I always recognize. But it seems like they kind of do know that Tony's probably the boss, but they don't have enough intel or confirmation to really make an adjustment to their, their main uh, family tree there. Yeah, and it's all like the... This uh, discussion might be kind of short because the whole episode is them getting yeah. their fucking lamp and going in and going out and going in again and doing the mashup. Uh, <laughs> so that's basically what's going on. And in the end, I thought it would, I don't know, I thought it would either pay off or not pay off. I guess it paid off uh, in that they have that now and they're going to sit in that van and they're going to hit record every two minutes, see what's up. Um, but uh, Well, and but especially yeah, I, with the lamp, I did make a note and I believe I said something when we discussed this episode. In season one, I believe, uh, let me make sure because it's in my notes, actually. Yeah, season one, episode six, 
they are talking about something in the basement and they mention a broken reading lamp. Now, I don't quite think they knew at the time <laughs> like they were. Ra- I don't I don't know if I believe they were planting the seeds. But when I was rewatching, I was like, hey, they mentioned the lamp. That must be a thing. That's a fucking Easter egg. Um, yeah. uh, I, I don't even remember this. The specific context of how they brought it up. But I did put it in my notes. It was Antonio's meeting with Capos um and oh at, at green grove so hey i mean i guess it kind of does tie in it makes sense uh and they mentioned a broken reading lamp downstairs and now here we are back again with this reading lamp although it's not broken at least the replica they made isn't yeah that could be their bad that could be the <laughs> thing that brings it all crumbling down um speaking of things that could bring it all crum- crumbling down the stuff going on on the mob side is about this character pat i don't know his brother's name yep. that's his name i think yeah patsy He's real morose. He's real sad about his twin brother dying, uh, which makes sense, I guess. Um, he's the guy who got shot in the car at the beginning of last season, as we know, because they do a flashback to it, um, I think, right? They did yeah, they at do. some point in this yeah, episode. They, yeah, they have a flashback to it. Those always stick out a bit, but it makes sense in this case because it's one of those you know, visceral flashbacks. They always make sense to me more than when they just cut something in to remind us, the viewers, when it's like, bam, uh, we got to remind the characters. Um, so yeah, he's all talking about how he was a sweet, gentle man and it was lovely. And um, then <laughs> Tony's there like, yeah, but fucking cheer up, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Stop yeah. talking about this. No one wants to talk about this. And clearly, as we figure out in the episode, he kind of knows what's up. Well, it's funny because Christopher kind of wants to talk about it, but and it's annoying Tony because Tony keeps doing like, <clears throat> like anytime Christopher is like, oh, yeah, twins. I heard that they have like a special bond. And, then, yeah. and Tony clearly doesn't want to talk about it. And yeah, I mean, because we even mentioned... We first meet this character basically in the finale of season two uh, because and it's almost because they wanted to do this. The dream thing where that character pops back up, but then have it be weird where it's like, no, there is a twin that's still alive. And yes, they like the actor, but they, yeah. they do go further to explain it in this episode than they do in that one. And that one, it's just kind of like, no, there's a twin. And we almost didn't even have to tell you because you probably would have forgot this character existed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, here they play it off a bit, and yeah, they the the flashback does work. I think in both, uh, it works both for the audience and just for the character moment because it does remind us that the guy he's sitting across from is the dude that killed his brother. Because it's not like we've met that character a ton of times either. But now you know he's in the crew. He's there. Uh, you know he's no Silvio. He's no Polly. He's no Christopher. So it's just a nice reminder that he shot his brother in the face, and it was so loud in the car because the 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 windows were up or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I, Tony. I like Tony. Has doesn't want anything to do with it, and he's like, you know, go take that morbid shit. You know, you're over here now. You could take that morbid shit over to Junior's crew, or you know, hey, you want to kill yourself? Tie your shoes and eat some brujol or whatever. Whatever he says. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, th- his character in this episode makes sense, though. I really like the moment when the FBI is doing their stuff and he shows oh. up with a gun outside, and then he just pisses in the pool. And uh, it, it didn't really go anywhere yet. It's It was like he got more of a character basis, or like they showed where his character was at. But they haven't really like yeah. There was a small little story there with him like where like feeling sh- like uh, really bad about his brother, deciding to do something about it, getting drunk, and then deciding apparently to to let it go at least in order to survive. 
but the, I, th I really thought with the FBI there watching it and everything, it would have played into it and escalated in some way rather than them just seeing it so that we could see it. Because we could have seen it even without the FBI. The FBI mm -hmm. angle just makes it a bit more absurd. There's a lot of people watching. I mean, that's the main thing, thing of this episode, people watching different things. So it is interesting when they're there. They're watching him. He's watching The Sopranos through a window. Uh, so, so it's all like a big circle of uh, watching each other and, and wanting to kill each other. Um, but, but it didn't really go that far. Yeah, yeah, because I was actually thinking about that too on if um, part of the choice to structure this episode the way they did uh, was to show things that they wouldn't normally be able to show in an episode. But I think you're right. Most of these things I think you, you could still work in to an episode, but it, it does add like a little different layer because we're seeing it through the Fed's eyes. And that's such a great scene because it kind of shows how like, um, uh, I don't want to say like amateur hour, but just kind of like shitty they are too because they have no idea what to do. And even the guy does a cool like drop down from the tree because he's like up on the he's like on a wire on the tree and he like drops down real quick and pulls his gun out and they're like what do we do and they're like i don't know <laughs> and they just kind of sit there and watch so even if like something did happen it just would have been a weird reaction to it because they have no clue what to do and yeah i know i'm reading too much into it and i know this isn't what the show is doing but i did watch this episode twice recently and I almost wonder because there's a scene where it almost looks like Tony can see that like he's by the 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 sink where the window is and I almost swear to god he sees that Patsy's out there that's why he brings up the pool later on but I don't think that's what's happening. <laughs> uh yeah, that wouldn't make <laughs> yeah. that much sense. Like he didn't see um, the gun but he saw him pissing in his pool and he's like, "All right, fair enough. <laughs> Killed your twin. You could piss in my pool." <laughs> Well, he's a real stand-up guy. Uh, that would make uh, make sense, I guess. Um, yeah, no. So if like they could have gone with like the FBI has to intervene and save Tony, or has to not intervene and like he shoots through the window or whatever. Makes sense the way they did it because you don't necessarily need someone to get shot in the first episode of the season. The yeah. Sopranos isn't really like that. You that you want to build build some tension and build some stories. Um, but because everything was so mundane and simple, it was almost like, oh, because when that happened, I was like, oh, shit, this episode just got interesting. And then he pissed in the pool and I was like, never mind. <laughs> Didn't get that interesting. Well, it's kind of nice because obviously the the pool's been very important thematically to the show. Uh, yeah. And with Tony and his, you know, with the ducks and all that. So there's even like an extra layer for us, the viewers, where he's pissing in his pool um, and I guess in a way it's like he's pissing on his name. Uh, mm. But real quick, backing up, um, this is such a small detail. But again, it's like since I've been watching these episodes and trying to pick up things, and especially since this one is more about the mundane, I think that's kind of the point because, of course, where we leave it, they're just they. It's just two guys sitting in a um, in a van after using all this money and resources, and they're listening to like nothing. Um, yeah. But when Patsy first shows back up, it's like because he, he's got the fur coat again, like and he's mentioning how he had to fix it. And he's like, it shouldn't have tore like that. And the last we saw, you know, Tony and Carmilla were getting it on in that coat. So I solved that mystery. That's how he tore the coat when he was getting it on. Yep. Tony doing it like hardcore style. Uh, it's just a quick call out detail for you. 
Thanks for filling in that gap, Jim. Uh, we needed that, I'm sure. This is why you listen to Cut to Black, a soprano sit down. Hey, and also we got to talk about, like, in the same vein, we got to talk about the gay tennis instructor um, because I don't know what this part of the episode's all about either. Uh, we're we're following along with Carmilla, and she's all disappointed because another like yes. young man that she's yes. around is leaving. And she's like, oh, and then there's a young girl uh, or lady instead that takes a shine to Adriana, and that's that whole storyline. And then, of course, at the same time, we have the FBI watching everything going on. And there's like, there's nothing wrong with this. It's just like, where's this going? What? Where? Usually, I I expect more layers to this stuff. Well, see, but that's what I love about this uh, little subplot or whatever that's going on. I love that. Even even here, I mean, season three, uh, that's still a good amount of episodes. We sh- a good amount of episodes, so we do kind of know these characters pretty well. But I love that they don't need to spell it out that much. It's just a, a quick scene and a back and forth with Carmela and this tennis instructor, and we know that Carmela's had yet again another melodramatic. Will they? Won't they? That's like only playing out in her mind. Like it's not working. Yeah. But I just love that there. It's not like they have to even have a scene earlier where we see it. It's just this quick conversation where yet again another man's leaving, and and Edie Falco's doing great because we can read it all in her face, and we know that Carmela has had this like torrid month or six weeks, whatever it might have been, where she was longing after this tennis instructor, <laughs> and he was just married and he's leaving and it doesn't matter, and now it yeah. turns into yeah, it's just it, it almost feels like they want they were gonna play up a storyline of like. Uh, like it feels to me like they were gonna play up a storyline where a guy was just kind of more interested in Adriana because she's younger than Carmilla, but maybe someone was like, "Ah, oh, that's not that interesting." What if you know it's just a lady that does it? Because it's it's kind of a you know for the most part when it gets to the uh the the new lady instructor that's more interested in Adriana, it's just kind of a bit more of a cliche. And the only thing a little different is that it's a lesbian situation. Yeah. Uh, but I love that they just set up this whole thing, and I, I can. I can fill in all the blanks just from that back and forth. And then it just played yeah. up for laughs from there where she's kind of, you know, scolding Carmela for bad form. And then Adrian is terrible. And she's like, no, that's good. You're, you know, you're learning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really amount to much, but I like that they could do that. And we've been watching it enough that we know everything that happened before it. True, and in a similar vein, uh, it's not a big part of the episode at all, but it is still kind of interesting to see AJ uh, yeah. in his element because we've uh, seen him, you know, catching flies, whatever, at home, <laughs> uh, just spilling the beans left and right on what's going on where he shouldn't, uh, opening his big mouth. And here I really enjoyed where we see a scene of him and his friends outside a convenience store smoking like the delinquents, uh, delinquents they are. And then, it, like, there's stuff about... Uh, the football team and they're like saying like oh that's so lame and then aj's like yeah that's a cool jersey and then we see him trying out for the team later yeah and it's like oh man aj you got some ambition in you (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're trying to do something that's nice yeah he's got some hopes and dreams because i mean we see him he's skateboarding they're listening to hip-hop he's got a pantera shirt they're ditching class yeah uh his friend says something like oh you know welcome to mr future paraplegic of the year or whatever remind me not to yeah. visit you in the hospital uh so yeah it is the cool like dirtbag kids but 
you know, AJ sees this jersey and he's like, gets, you know, we, we see the, the gears spinning in his head. And next thing you know, he's trying out for the team. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. And the seasons tend to end with montages. And it's almost like this whole episode is just snippets of this and that to bring us back into it. Yeah. Uh, same with Meadow. Like, we're seeing bits of her uh, college life. I did think when. Um, when everyone rushed home for whatever reason, for some for, for some reason, I was like, "Oh, it's because like Meadow showed up and she like dropped out of college or just <laughs> decided I'm gonna live at home and go to college on a bus or whatever because I have a shit roommate <laughs> or I don't know something like that." Uh, but no, it was just sort of a a glimpse at everything going on. Her party roommate, who I recognized from Nick and Nora's Infinite playlist uh, as the drunk girl. Um, just a little tidbit and now there. She, she yeah, plays she, a similar character. Yeah, she's playing drunk girl here. She's actually she was in um, recently uh, the Disaster Artist, uh, uh, okay. the James Franco the Rome movie. Uh, but yeah, I I, I do kind of like they they put a little. I mean, I guess I don't want to say arc, but it's just another um, kind of key in on mental health because clearly this girl's like manic. Um, yeah. And just having ups and downs, but not even like that. It's that out of the ordinary. It's like because, you know, from the impression, I, I don't know if they specifically say where she's from, but she's clearly, you know, away from home, like further away than Meadow because Meadow's even mm-hmm. they mentioned something about being homesick and she's like 30 minutes away or 45 minutes. I think believe the FBI says. But yeah. uh, it's interesting to see the highs of like, yeah, New York is so great. Like, can you believe it? Like, I'm getting so much culture in life, and I'm out partying, and we're at school, and it's exciting. And then it's just like, I'm sad in my room, and this guy was eating these chicken wings, and it was so gross. (laughs) And it stunk the whole subway car up. Uh, I I mean, they... For the little pieces there, I feel like they they kind of they do a they do a lot there. Uh, we get to see uh, what's her face, um, David Chase's daughter. I can't think of her name now. Oh, Hunter. We get to see Hunter again, and oh, right. uh, Meadows yeah. living the college life. Uh, and yeah, I mean, not much else there besides that. I mean, going back to why they do rush home, it is funny because again, the FBI is all chuckling like, "Ha ha! Look at the water heater." Uh, yeah. uh, too bad we can't tell them about it. I, I do love even before that. First, they make a joke about AJ being fat or something because there's a lot of food. And they're like, that's for AJ. Yes. Uh, and then the other guy, uh, I think it's Grasso, is all like, hey, the Black and Decker, I got that too. It's just some stupid, like, yeah, no one cares. And then they get to be all like, ha ha, we see the water heater. And then it fucks up their next, uh, you know, break into the Soprano home. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, there it's all like weird slices of this and that in this episode. There's also we haven't talked about uh, the the cleaning lady and her husband uh, t- going on their picnics. Yeah. And that's also like such a, such a weird intersection of what's going on, um, because The Sopranos is already like a slice of life version of a mob show. So like we only show slivers of the mob stuff, but we're focusing on this other stuff and this drama. And this one is even more like that. It's like we took even other parts of what the story could have been and showed that. And uh, like I said at the beginning, I didn't, I, I don't necessarily dislike this episode. It just made that much more sense when I realized, oh, they're doing this because they have time. Like yeah. they have the time to do another hour of something different after this. Uh, and I really look forward to it. At the same time, I don't mind seeing uh, like 
the cleaning lady's husband who got the jacket. He's, he's not wearing it either, by the way. Yeah. But he got the the jacket, and he's all upset because he used to have all sorts of employees um, when he was over in Poland um, and all that. It was Poland, what wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I believe I so. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's upset about that. Um, Tony does call him in to help with the the whole um, the whole fixing of the water heater, uh, which he's doing he's, yeah. he's getting somewhere so there's another little story yeah and it helps to kind of rig something up in case it happens and I, I believe like in hindsight at least for me and especially i mean whether it be hindsight of the whole series or just even in hindsight of the first two seasons uh knowing that david chase wrote this episode it's becoming more and more clear that that's what david chase is really interested in he's interested in more of the kind of the mundane like yeah. he loves the idea of it being this mob boss that has all this power, but he doesn't. I mean, obviously, the, the Sopranos loves to delve into the violence and the glitz and the glamour, but it's very clear that David Chase is more interested in the the day to day stuff. And I love the. It's such a. It's a little quick moment, but at the end when he does bring in the husband. And they're kind of talking to each other, but not listening. Like when, yeah. when the, I love when the husband just announces. He says the same thing he said to his wife of like, I, uh, I think, I, oh, I had a grant from the state for autonomous research, and they, <laughs> they don't even answer. They don't respond at all. Yeah, because they're all talking about different things back and forth, and then he's like, "Yeah, even even he thinks so," and he just sort of looks yeah. out like, "Are they talking to me?" Yeah. And then he looks back. Yeah, because Tony's like, "Oh, he can smell the mildew, right?" And he's like, "What?" And they don't even pay attention. Uh, it's such a quick moment, but uh, yeah, I, 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 it made me crack up. Um, yeah. And then going back to yeah, it's not so much that the, it's a bad episode. It's it. I do like when shows step a little bit out of their element and try kind of something a little different. Um, but it's just kind of like uh, yeah, especially coming off of like uh, starting a new season and wanting to catch up with the characters because when when we finally get to them just hanging out at Satriali's and they're bullshitting, it's almost like, ah, I want to live here. I want to live yeah. in this area for a while and just listen to these dudes bullshit about nothing. Uh, but then it's like, you know, we're back to the feds or whatever. Yeah. Well, Hey, that's what podcasts are for as well. Yeah. That's what we do, Jim. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I did like tie my shoelaces the other day and I was like, I'm not eating. Like it was around <laughs> lunch. So I was like, I'm definitely washing my hands again. <laughs> like all because of this scene. Uh, and that's the influence Polly Walnuts has on me and my life. Uh, so, so, you know, that, that was the nicest part of the episode, not necessarily story wise, but just like, Oh yeah, I want more of this. Can we just have one episode of this? Yeah. Just uh, hanging out. But maybe that's coming up. Um, we pretty much covered like I, like you said. I also also thought like maybe we should have done both episodes, but no, uh, we should do it like we're we, like we were gonna like we're all, yeah. we always do. But I don't have that much more to say. What about you, Jim? Uh, let me see if there's just a few more things to call out. Again, not like they're not like huge deals, but uh, just kind of little things. I like the code names like Baby Bing, Princess Bing, <laughs> yeah. uh, the Sausage Factory is the name of the house. Um, yeah. Uh, let me see here. Uh, Maiden her husband. We kind of talked about that. Yeah, the citizenship. Uh, Patsy, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, it's nice to see Jeannie Cusimano as well. I love that little moment where she's almost going to say that they're in the mafia. Uh, mm-hmm. But then it, it's 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 almost like 
she maybe realized like, wait a minute, maybe these are uh, like, maybe I don't know if it's that far where she kind of could guess that they were feds, but it's kind of like, all right, I better shut my mouth. You never know who's listening. Uh, yeah. And plus, like, if it gets around that I'm spreading rumors about this mafioso neighbor I have. Yeah, that's not great. Oh, uh, and uh, I did like when he's talking, when the, when they're talking about Patsy at the back of the Bing or whatever. And mm-hmm. then, like, all this stuff's happening where they're going to plant a bug in his house. And even when they're about to talk, Tony makes the guy close the laptop. And he's like, I don't, I don't trust that cookie shit. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. like, internet cookies have anything to do with it. But, like... He's kind of on the right track because it is like yeah. a weird tracking thing, but he doesn't know enough like technology uh, as far as the technology side. Uh, just I thought that was a funny line. Well, this I mean, he was ahead of the curve. Like yeah. that's us today. <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of years later, GDPR, man, we don't trust that cookies <laughs> shit anymore. I get rid of it. Like you ever notice how you just mention something and then you get a fucking ad for it? Yeah, no, I don't. They're all listening to us. The feds aren't. <laughs> who you got to worry about though? It's the corporations. Yes. Oh, they're tracking your podcasts. They're gonna <laughs> give you ads for all our related shows, such as. Uh, such as Gilead Gazette discussing The Handmaid's Tale, just because you happen to listen to this one. Or maybe, I don't know, Westworld theories, even though no one likes <laughs> Westworld anymore, we still discuss it. What else are they going to give ads for, Jim? Ah, man, you're going to get ads for, I mean, just shows which you know, in general, we discuss all kinds yeah. of TV shows. And also we have a show we're going to be discussing, the new show, um, Castle, Castle Rock. Rock. I'm almost <laughs> based Jeez, on the title. Jim. Yeah, it must have really captivated you, those three first episodes. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, all kinds of great stuff. I mean, the only other thing I wanted to call out, I love that they, even though it's a bit on the nose, I love that they play High Fidelity by Elvis Costello to close out the episode. Um, great song, got me on Elvis Costello kick I've been listening to since I watched the episode, so there you go. Yeah, and I mean, you did mention the mashup. It is also I'll Be Watching You, which is so on the nose. Yeah. Like, it's a, that's like a, a, a really bad musical choice but the fact that they mix it together and do some stuff with it makes it a good musical choice i think uh because it's so on the nose Agreed. if they just had that blasting throughout the montage it would be like okay guys we get it yeah like that's the sort of dumb joke i would put in yeah uh not you you're better than me uh but uh yeah they do the mashup thing so it's fine but also i mean they could be sending you ads to you know you could send your thoughts or whatever on the Sopranos to shows which you know show at gmail.com. We'll read it on the show, uh, whether it be an episode we've already discussed or an upcoming episode, because we will be discussing all of them. So we'll just put it on the back burner. Very true. They could also give you ads for jimandthem.com <laughs> yes. for Jim's podcast. Uh, then there's awesomepedia.org where you'll find more from me. Uh, I, I do think that about covers it. Like you said, Castle Rock, we're going to get into that right now. You can find it all at showswhatyouknow.com. I, I think there's just one more thing, though, Jim. Oh, yeah, there is. Uh, thanks for reminding me. Cut to black. <laughs> <laughs>